Good afternoon. Thank you so much for being here. I think everybody makes some form of resolutions in the new year. For some people, they're very specific and charted out. And for other people, it's just kind of a vague feeling of trying a little bit harder in a particular area. I looked up uh, on social media, I looked up funny New Year's resolutions. And these are a couple pretty funny ones that I came across. One individual posted, my resolution is to leave the past behind. So if I owe you money, I'm sorry, I've moved on. (laughs) Another person posted this, my New Year's resolution is to be more assertive, comma, is that okay with you guys? And the final funny New Year's resolution was, you know, sometimes the, the, the secret of being successful with your resolutions is just to set the bar really, really low. This person said, my New Year's resolution is to put less than four chapsticks through the washer and dryer in the year ahead. All right, so what do you guys think about are the most common New Year's resolutions of people that really put serious time and effort into it? What would you imagine are in the top ten? went to a couple different sources, and uh, they had compiled some of these together. And some of the things that uh, appear on the top 10 most common, serious New Year's resolutions are to exercise more, to get more organized, to be dedicated to a new hobby, to save more money, to quit smoking, or to travel more. So I want to ask you guys, what do all of these things have in common? What's the thread that moves through all of these impulses and desires? I would say this. I think most people feel a pull to pursue renewal or reinvention at the start of every new year. And people do this by committing to being a little bit healthier, to focus their time on things that are a little bit more productive, and to abandon harmful habits. Uh, And I'm here to say that those are really good desires. And if any of those are things that you guys are committed to uh, in this new year, congratulations and good luck. My problem with New Year's resolutions is this. If you've already had your whole life to do these things and you haven't, you're probably not going to start doing them on Friday. Right? How are you going to start to do something on New Year's Day that you haven't been able to do your whole life? But... I'm not here to discourage you guys. I do want you to find renewal and improvement in 2021. But my point is this, you just need a new power. If you want to do something differently, you just need a new power to do it, which is what today's scripture is all about. This afternoon, I want to share one of the Old Testament's best stories of renewal and reinvention. And it comes from a discovery of a new Power. 2 Kings 22 and 23, uh, part of it was read to us by the worship team. It's all about how the power of reading scripture and reconnecting ourselves with what God has asked us to do has the power to transform an entire country. And of course, the implication is that you and I can also experience a dra- dramatic transformation uh, in 2021 if we latch on to the same power that Josiah does in this story. So uh, I'd like to spend the next 20 minutes uh, just moving through three points on our outline. 
three points in our outline. Number one, let's familiarize ourselves with this story from 2 Kings 22 and 23. Uh, it's a good one, but it might not be in the forefront of all of our minds. Secondly, I'd like to find connection uh, to this story by explaining how Israel was kind of facing some of the same dynamics that we are today. This was a story that happened about 3,000 years ago, give or take. But they were going through a lot of the same forces and dynamics that we are today. And then let's wrap up in section three by finding encouragement from four ways uh, that uh, God's word still brings dynamic renewal. So we can experience what King Josiah and Israel did in this story. All right, so in 2 Kings 22 and 23, uh, let's just kind of zoom out really quickly and just for three or four minutes, all get on the same page with what's happening in these Old Testament books. First, in 2 Kings, were actually just one book originally. They didn't have a scroll long enough, like this is true, it's not a dumb pastor joke. They just really didn't have a scroll long enough to fit all of it on there, so they broke it up into two different kind of uh, accounts. But it's really meant to be one story. And it's a historical account of Israel's good and bad kings. It kind of, the narrative kind of starts off in 2 Samuel 7. And it talks about how God made this promise that there was going to be, the, the, it, that the best Jewish king still hadn't come yet. He actually told David that there was going to be an even better Jewish king. And so then the rest of 1st and 2nd Kings is actually a record of all the kings that followed David. And the question is, is this the great king that has been promised? And so every time a new king is introduced, the original audience would have asked themselves, is this the great Jewish king that has been promised? And uh, Each account starts off with kind of the same criteria. There's basically two things that each of these kings are going to be judged for. The first one is, do they worship God alone? Or do they worship foreign gods? Do they worship idols? Do they worship other forces? And then the second thing that they're judged on is, are they faithful to the covenant? That's kind of a Bible word, but I think we're all familiar with what a covenant is. A covenant are two parties that are making kind of a conditional agreement that they won't break their part of the promise so long as the other member of the covenant doesn't break theirs. Marriage is a good example of a covenant. Getting a gym membership is a good example of a covenant, right? Like, Back when I lived in Wisconsin, there was a a, a gym in my town that I had a membership to. I enjoyed going there. But when I gave them money each month, that was my end of the covenant. Their end of the agreement was that they were going to provide a healthy, safe space for me to come and exercise. So when the pandemic hit... We were in a, our covenant was in a tough spot, was it not? Because I could no longer safely go there and exercise. And that gym, along with many others, had to suspend memberships and no longer collect dues because the thing that they had agreed to provide was no longer possible, at least in the initial stages of the covenant. So that's what a covenant is. And the whole Old Testament and the New Testament as well, it's the story of God's covenant with his people. Okay? I'm not saying that if you work harder to obey the Bible, God will bless you. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what a covenant is all about. A covenant is about something much deeper and much more relational. As God's people commit to representing who he is, he he, he promises his favor upon them. 
looked a little bit different in the Old Testament than it does now, but we're still God's covenant people. And as we represent him to the watching world, he promises his favor upon us. And of course, the majority of the kings in First and Second Kings neglect that understanding of how Israel is supposed to uphold their side of the covenant. There's 32 kings described in First and Second Kings. Turn to the person next to you and give a guess of how many pass those two tests. Out of the 32 kings in First and Second Kings, what is your guess on how many are considered good kings? Eight out of 32. Only eight out of the 32 kings passed that two-part test. And so this particular account that we're talking about today, chapters 22 and 23, it's one of the eight good ones. There's this guy, King Josiah, and uh, we're told that he passed the test. He actually started to be the king when he was eight years old. Uh, and when he's 18, he's, he sends some workers out to uh, collect this tax because he's just all about the monetary government uh, of the, the priestly system. And as this guy is kind of tending to these repairs and collecting these taxes, they discover God's law. Now, what does that say about King Josiah and the previous kings that they had forgotten what God had written and passed down to them? Uh, when it's talking about God's law, it's talking about the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So there's just been generations where Israel, God's chosen covenant people, didn't even know about God's law. They didn't even know about their origins. They didn't even know about the Ten Commandments. They didn't even know about anything that's in those first five books. Uh, and so then, uh, let me continue to uh, share the story that uh, King Josiah uh, uh, teaches us here. Listen to what it says here in Second Kings 23, 1-8, when he's had a chance to actually read God's message to his people in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And he went up to the temple of the Lord with the people of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets. Like, what, what were these people even doing, right? For all these generations, they didn't even know about the Bible. All the people from the least to the greatest. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the temple of the Lord. And the king stood by the pillars and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands, statutes, and decrees with all of his heart and with all of his soul, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in the book. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. So you've just got this beautiful moment of why King Josiah was a great king and all the renewal that comes into Israel. And it all, become, it all comes because they've rediscovered God's word. So as we kind of keep thinking and interacting with this story, I just want to ask you guys, let's, like, let's search for some connection points. It's so easy to hear a story that happened thousands of years ago and you know they didn't have iPhones and they didn't have automobiles and it's just so easy to think of it as just an ancient story with no connection to day-to-day -to -day living in our modern times. But uh, let's just take a moment to kind of reflect on some of the parallels that the Israelites would have had with the moment that we're living in right now. So if only, 20, if, if only 8 of the 32 kings 
kept the covenant and worshipped only God, that means that 24 out of 32 actively advanced harmful and corrosive values. I think that we can relate to having leaders from time to time that not only fail to represent God, but actually advance harmful and corrosive values into our culture. And I think you guys know me well enough by now to know that I'm not someone that just always points the finger and condemns everybody else. But again, let's look for connection points with what the Israelites were going through. Right now, we live in a country where our public schools teach a curriculum on gender and sexuality and the origins of the universe that 100% oppose what the Bible teaches. But I'm just not blaming other people because you and I willingly expose ourselves for hours a day to art, meaning TV and movies, that actively attempts to redefine what God has declared is and is not sin. Have you ever noticed that? I call this the, the, the Ross and Rachel effect. Do you guys remember that show, Friends? When you're watching that show, you are finding yourself actively hoping that Ross and Rachel cheat on the people that they're in a relationship with to get together because it's just, they're just meant to be, right? That's just kind of a silly example of how the things that we watch redefine how God has called us to live and we find ourselves rooting and hoping sometimes for these new definitions that are opposed to what God has told, how God has told us to live. And finally, we're drawn to social media and a lot of other forms of pastimes that perpetually fuel this lie that the world is all about self, right? And we must pursue the praise and the honor and the celebration of individualism and self. And uh, we're just, I'm just trying to make connection points that uh, the people in this story had leadership in a culture that were actively promoting things that were contrary to how God, is, God had called his people to live. And that's something that we have in common with the Israelites because we often experience that same thing. Here's another connection point to the story. Israel had drifted so far from God that they forgot who he was and what he had asked. Like they didn't even know about the first five books of the Bible. And the rest, of course, were still happening, were still being written. But there's so, so many powerful things about who God is and how he wants us to live. And they had drifted so far away that they didn't even know who God was and what he had asked of them. My, uh, my son is in, one of my sons is in sixth grade and he's got a, a really good teacher, really good history teacher. And uh, every single week he has to take some sort of test. And they're like, um, what are the countries of Africa? What are the 50 capitals of the United States? Just really simple things. And my wife and I are always nagging our son, you better study, you better study. And then I did something in secret. I went online and I took those tests because I'd been telling him how important it was that he knew the 50 states and he knew the 50 capitals. And like I felt guilty and convicted. So I took those and I rarely got more than 50%, right? Like I expected him to study and know things that I had forgotten. I expected him to know things that I used to know, but I have forgotten. And I think that, to be honest, sometimes as adults, we do the same thing morally. 
We scold younger people for not being truthful and not being respectful, and, and we wouldn't pass the same tests that we're expecting them to pass. So that's another thing that we have in common with the Israelites in this story. In some areas of our life, we've drifted so far from God that we've forgotten what he's even asked us to do with those areas of our life. And the final thing is, Israel was supposed to be living out this covenant relationship. They were supposed to show the world who God was, and then he was going to bless them in really rich ways. Listen to how the covenant, it's described many beautiful times, it's described many times in beautiful ways in the Old Testament. Listen to how this covenant relationship is described in Exodus 19, 3 to 6. If you're just hearing me say that God wants you to follow all these rules, you're not understanding the beauty of the covenant. And it says this, On the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on the very day they came to the desert of Sinai. And after they set out, they entered the desert, and Israel camped there in the desert in the front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. And now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you're supposed to speak to the Israelites. In other words... The Israelites had this superpower. God was going to bless them in ways that he didn't bless anybody else. That was his promise in the covenant. But the Israelites had a responsibility too. They had to keep his commands and act in the way that he had called them to act. And so when we get to First and Second Kings, we have entire generations and entire kings living out these kingdoms, totally neglecting the covenant uh, the most popular movies of the last 10 years have been those Marvel movies, right? The Avenger movies. And there's always a scene in those movies where, like, the superheroes have just been kicking butt and they're just, like, you don't, you don't even have, like, respect for the people that they're fighting against because they've got these superpowers and it's just so easy for them to accomplish everything they want to accomplish. But then what inevitably happens? They lose their superpower, right? Like... The Hulk can't freak out and Spider-Man can't climb up the walls and the Iron Man loses his suit. And now all of a sudden, they're not so formidable. Like it's not so easy for them to get things done when they've lost their powers. And that's kind of what the original audience would have thought of during the portions of the Old Testament when the Israelites weren't living out the covenant. They no longer had God's incredible power and favor over them. And I think this can be a possible connection point for us because when we don't experience and feel God's power in our lives, it's very often because we have neglected the covenant and what we've committed to do to God. So here's the good news. All that to say, the beauty of today's story is that God's word has the power to do incredible things. God has the power to bring incredible renewal into our lives, uh, and that's what today's story is all about. Let's just wrap up with four ways uh, that today's story shows the power of God's Word to bring renewal. First one is this. God's Word has a power to come into your life even when you don't pursue it, even when you don't want it to. 
Uh, listen to uh, what it says here in chapter 22, verses 3 to 8. Uh, I'll just skip ahead to verse 8. Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan who read it. Then Shaphan the secretary went to the king and reported to him, uh, your officials have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the workers. Uh, And the priest has given me this book. In other words, King Josiah will go on to see his kingdom thrive He will personally have this dynamic restoration. And he didn't even set out for that to happen. It happened because God's word has the power to come into our lives. If you haven't figured it out by now, uh, we are starting a new focus this next year. Uh, COVID, uh, COVID COVID-19 has prevented us from gathering in many of the ways that we would have in other years. A lot of our programs and ministries are shut down because we just want to be safe and we don't want to spread uh, this virus anymore. But every obstacle also brings opportunities. And because we have extra time on our hands, uh, the leadership of the church thought this would be a really strategic time to just kind of take a pause on some of the ministries and some of the things that we would ask you to do in a normal year and say, Let's just all commit to read through the Bible this year. Let's take the extra time that God has allowed us to have because of the pandemic, and let's be like Israel in the time of Josiah. Let's experience the restoration that comes from personally hearing from God and letting him reinvigorate our priorities and our values. So we're going to do it in a couple different ways. You guys might have tried to read through the Bible in the past, and it could have gone bad in a lot of ways. Uh, so um, this isn't going to be a type of thing where some people get a gold star and other people get scolded. Uh, we're not going to use guilt in any way, shape, or form. What we're going to try to do is we're just going to try to provide various encouragement and entry points for you to read through the Bible, do the best that you can, and I know that God will bless whatever effort that you give. So for example... Starting on a Wednesday, uh, somebody here in the church is going to post a video uh, to our church YouTube channel, uh, and it's just going to have a brief introduction to the book of the Bible that our church is going to try to read that week. Every week, we're going to take on a different book of the Bible. We're also going to have some small groups if you feel comfortable meeting in person and just talking through some of the stuff that you've been reading. There will also be a Zoom Bible study if you want to talk about some of the stuff that you've read, but you're not ready to meet about it in person. And I also invite you guys to just send me emails about questions that you might have or um, a little if, if you're searching for encouragement. Uh, but in the same way, Israel found itself reinvigorated uh, when they rediscovered God's law. I'm here to say that if you guys carve out a little bit of time each day to read through the Bible, you are going to hear from God in personal and dynamic and reinvigorating ways. So God's word, we're learning here in 2 Kings 22 and 23 that God's word has the power to come into your life even when you don't want it to. 
And I'm here to tell you that that's going to be true the next 52 weeks. All right? And I'm going to gently encourage you to be reading through your Bible so that God can reinvigorate your outlook and your self-image and your purpose and all the things that come along with it. All right, secondly, we see in this story that God's Word has the power to convict, to expose, and to remove idols. And if you look at chapter 22, verses 3 to 15, if you look at verse 11, like a huge, a huge portion of uh, chapter 22 is like they've, they've read the first five books of the Bible and they have this huge moment of discovery that almost everything that they're doing in public is contrary to what God wants them to do. So they're tearing down all these idols. There's actually this one line where they take one of the, the um, uh, poles and they grind it into dust, right? Like they're just dramatically realizing that they've been getting everything wrong. And it's a study of the Bible, reading God's word, that reminds them of the course that they're supposed to be on. One of the things that I love the most about living in Big Sky is how big the mountains are. Do you guys ever find yourself just looking at the mountains? And there's just something about that that changes the scale of how I look at myself. I spent the first half of my life in Illinois, which is easily a top three most flat state, okay? Like I never ever got a ticket because you can just see four miles ahead of you if there's any police there, right? And then I moved to Wisconsin, which has some beautiful rolling hills, but it's still in the grand scheme of things just a pretty flat place. But uh, something happens a couple times a week when I'm driving my kids to school. I live here in town center, and uh, mornings aren't always a great time in our household. And uh, I'm yelling things at my kids like, you're not being cooperative, Uh, you're not being a team player, you're not helping out, how long does it take to put boots on, right? And I'm just... My pr- it's kind of an indirect form of pride because things are just not happening as I want them to happen. And I find myself screaming out things to my kids that I never thought I would ever say, like, don't you respect cereal? Why? Why don't you close the top? You're ruining the cereal, right? Like, just the silliest things. And I'm lecturing them the whole drive. And then we come through the meadow here. And literally, I look to the top of my windshield, and there's still mountains even above that. Like, nowhere in Illinois or Wisconsin can you ever look out your windshield and not see clouds. But there's two places just on my drive to the school where there's just nothing but mountains. And all that to say, there's just something about that scale that reminds me that my morning problems, my get-to-school-on-time, my tardy problems, like, they're not as big as I'm making them out to be. And it just recalibrates the way that I look at myself. In the same way, we see in today's story that God's word changes the way that we look at the world. Our problems are probably not as big as we think they are. God is more majestic and in control than we probably think that he is. That reminds me of a really great passage in James chapter 1, 23 to 25 that says, Do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word of God but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. 
But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. In other words, when we read the Bible, it's like looking in the mirror. And if you were looking in the mirror and there was something gross stuck in your teeth or your hair was out of place, you wouldn't just go back to your meeting, right? You wouldn't just hop back onto Zoom. You would fix whatever the flaw was. And in the same way, God's Word has the power to convict and expose and remove the false idols that we've allowed to creep into our lives. But it only has the power to do that when we devote ourselves to it and do what it says. As we wrap up here, we see also in today's story that God's Word has power to bless the things that are under your leadership. Everybody here is a worker or a student or a spouse uh, or, uh, or, or something that you have leadership over. And what we see here in today's story is that when, o- when Josiah encounters God's word, it blesses his entire kingdom uh, in some pretty dramatic ways. Listen to what it says in uh, verses 18 to 20 of chapter 22. It says, Tell the king of Judah who sent you to inquire to the Lord, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the words that you heard. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I have spoken against this place and its people, that they would become a curse and be laid waste. And because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, I will gather you to your ancestors uh, and you'll be buried in peace and your eyes will not see the disaster that I will eventually bring. And listen to what it says in one more place here. In chapter 23, 25, about Josiah. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did, with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength, in accordance with the law of Moses. Uh, I think I'll wrap it up here. Uh, If I started off in today's introduction, making it sound like uh, resolutions weren't worthy of your time, that was not my intent. God does want 2021 to be a dynamic and a profitable year for you. My hope is that you wouldn't try to accomplish that on your own and that you wouldn't try to accomplish it with just a little bit more of your own effort, right? Nothing's going to happen on Friday that hasn't already happened in your life if you keep doing everything the same way that you've always done it. But with a new power, I'm here to tell you guys that you can experience dynamic renewal. Uh, Let's look uh, for that power to be what Josiah and the Israelites experienced in this story. Let's regularly devote ourselves to God's word in the year ahead. And uh, let's check in with one another and try to encourage each other with little stories here and there of how God is speaking to us and how that's changing the way that we look and deal with things in 2021. I'd like to invite the worship team to come forward. And as they do, uh, would you just allow me to uh, give a brief prayer? Heavenly Father, I just pray in 2021 that uh, it wouldn't be a year where people uh, would, would need great sermons uh, or outward things. I pray that in the year ahead, you would just challenge everybody that's uh, here with us right now to be like Josiah and to turn to your word and uh, to look to the pages of scripture every day or just as often as uh, they can so that they would just experience that revitalization that the Israelites experienced 
in this, uh, in this story. God, would you speak to us in the year ahead? And would you do it as we look to you and read your word? Amen.